in a world where... Nah, this ain't that kind of podcast. Let's be honest, the world doesn't need another podcast where we ask the same old questions to the same successful people. You're listening to the Profit and Impact Podcast with Nev Harris. Grab a seat at the table as Nev and his guests dig into the challenges that successful agencies and freelancers have overcome to achieve their success. There's no script, and Nev's insatiable curiosity and ADD can take the conversation anywhere. So let's get real and have some honest talk, lots of laughs, and some helpful insights into what it really takes to create more profit and impact in your business. Welcome back to another episode of Profit and Impact. My guest today is Lee Jackson himself. Lee is an agency owner who's been in this business for a long time, and he's also the host of the Agency Trailblazer podcast. Hey, man. How you doing? I am doing fantastic, my friend. <laughs> Saying a long time makes me sound really old. <laughs> <laughs> We're only as old as we feel. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And I'm feeling older. <laughs> <laughs> so, No, but it, I think age gives you perspective. Age yes. gives you experience. You're like a fine wine, my friend. Thank you, brother. <laughs> so, all right. Let's, let's, I, th I think this talk is really going to show you that uh, Lee's made it not through one, but two recessions. So this is going to give you some uh, real nice perspective on how, how that goes. So, and in theory, rocking a third is about to happen if it's not already happening. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, all right, Lee, um, when did you start? Let us know. I first started web development for my own business back in 1997 was the very first website I built, which is That's insane, man. 1997. Uh, and before then, I'd been in business as a kid doing wedding stationery with calligraphy. So I'm actually a bit of an artist at heart and did wedding stationery and greetings cards and all sorts for people. It was called Jackdaw Calligraphy Services. And that entrepreneurial spirit then moved over into the web space because I realized that I loved tearing computers apart and then rebuilding them and learning about them. So I built a website about my first ever computer, which was an Amstrad PCW, and then realized I could build websites. So I was thinking, hey, why not? I'm going to talk to local businesses and say, do you need a website? I can build it for you. And it was a very simple setup back then. I was using things like front page um, and just put, or, or just doing basic HTML and getting people's websites uh, up and running back in the late 90s uh, and early 2000s. In about 98, I became more of an official company as Lee J Web, still acting kind of in the freelance capacity. And I was building websites right through until about 2003. So we absolutely had the dot-com bubble burst and also 9-11 as well hit. And we still managed to weather those storms. I say we, it was me. And every now and again, I'd have a contractor involved. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So when you first started your business back in, you know, 97, you know, 98, that period in there, what, what, how'd things go? What were things like? Was business good? I had no plan. Business was sometimes good, sometimes terrible. <laughs> it was literally <laughs> like that. Uh, and because as well, we were kind of in this new-ish industry, I could, I guess I could kind of dictate uh, what the clients did. So they didn't question as much as they do nowadays, which was great. So I 
I enjoyed those client relationships much better because I was seen as a as an expert, and that was a great experience at that point. And the, the big shift, kind of ten years later, was that everybody felt like they knew more than the web developers they were hiring. So that was my struggle, kind of in the in the next recession, where people were very protective. But very early on, at least during that period of time, people were just leaning on me heavily for my advice and my thoughts, etc. So that was a, a great experience. But like I said, there was no real plan, and I would get comfortable with existing clients, and therefore just look after them and. When they then disappeared, I had no plan for getting more clients. And eventually, that feast and famine cycle led for me to go into a full-time job. I started in security, uh, and I was building websites <laughs> of my side hustle. So I, I eventually went from looking after myself and impressing my then-girlfriend with all the money that I was making as a businessman to getting a job so that I had a stable income and just hustling on the side for quite a few years, still building websites to top up the income. Um, and a lot of that, like I said, was because there was no real plan um, during that time. Um, I don't know. I look back and uh, it's slightly embarrassing what I used to get up to. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like a teenager slash early, t- uh, early 20s, etc. cetera. Um, pl- I loved playing the part of a businessman and wearing a suit. <laughs> <laughs> that was the good fun. <laughs> so wearing a suit, wow. <laughs> was it Weirdly any- enough, though, I found that like the the dot com bubble bursting and stuff like that. Those were the times where I was actually more successful because people were leaning heavier on me during those times. So I felt like a super success- successful entrepreneur as it was <laughs> in my very early twenties. Very very naive as well, but you know those were my like little golden. Uh, days I remember and uh, I think my girlfriend thought I was awesome (laughs) married me eventually so it obviously worked (laughs) nice 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 so that's that's really cool then so when 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 the recession hit you 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 found yourself to be in more of a demand more valuable Hmm. it was it wasn't the opposite way that you know a lot of people are worried about that going into that now yeah. And I, I think as well back then when, I mean, that was the dot-com bubble bursting where people lost a little bit of faith in the internet, didn't they? They were like, oh, these these aren't real companies. These are fake companies and everything's just built on di- digits. It's binary. It's not real. And and I thought we were going to see a massive kind of dip in clients, et cetera. But I guess what it was, was it opened the eyes to a lot of businesses at that time that the internet was a thing. And it was big enough to burst, if that makes sense. <laughs> so people were thinking, well, what can we do? So I was doing like lingerie websites for local lingerie companies and stuff. And uh, local businesses were bringing themselves online through, you know, through that period of time because the internet was becoming more and more talked about and people were recognizing that they needed some sort of presence. It was predominantly brochure sites. There wasn't any sort of e-commerce back then. It was brochure sites and also helping people sell online. Uh, The way I was doing that, because the high street was already taking a dip at that point. So I was finding that business continued to increase because I became a consultant for selling stuff online. So instead of doing e-commerce, I became like a super eBay lister for lots of local businesses. And I ended up specializing in antiques uh, with my web business. So I was looking after all the local antique companies here and was traveling around, taking pictures, putting their listings online, invoicing for that and uh, you know, selling stuff for them online because people, less and less people were coming to the little town that we lived in. So yeah, interesting times. Yeah. But you know, I had I had to add that to survive through the recession, you know, to do that niche thing uh, of going to all these uh, uh, antique shops, et cetera. But 
just by doing that and by helping them shift more stock, et cetera, it grew my brand to the extent where I didn't have to do any more active marketing because antique businesses were recommending me to other antique businesses. Uh, and it just went from there. So eventually I got the job though and, and gave in. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what made you, well, when was it, what year about was it that you got the job? 2003. I remember I was just, uh, I was absolutely exhausted because I was constantly trying to hustle to get the income in, um, but I had no real plan. By now, people had already worked out in 2003 how to list eBay stuff themselves. It's, you know, you no longer need to pay some dude for it. And I had not really taught myself much. You know, I was doing the same thing for like two to three years and getting away with it's the wrong word, but without upskilling myself, without focusing on some sort of strategy and growing my business in that sort of way, I, I was essentially stagnating and could not work out how to grow this thing. So I ended up switching to a, I'll do any website for anybody who asks me, which isn't great. That's yeah. a really bad idea, just letting you know, uh, which meant our leads dropped. And I was like, well, I better get a, a job because my my girlfriend, I want to make my fiance and we're going to get married in like two years time now. So I need a stable income. So I'm going to get a job for a while and I'll just do websites on the side to top up the income. At the same time, you had a lot of builder platforms out there as well, which everyone was worried about in the web industry. You know, uh, I, I joked that front page put me out of business because that grew and you had front page extensions on hosting platforms and people <laughs> were building their own websites. And you could even build a website and publisher, I think, as well. So people were really just <laughs> building some real tech. And I had no idea how to compete with that, if that made sense, because it felt like how my job was being replaced. How wrong was I? Because I'm still in the web industry. But at that point, you know, a lot of fear came in, uh, lack of strategy, a lack of identity. And I just said, mm, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take this job and just do stuff on the side and become known as that, you know, Jack the Lad, nice guy Lee down the road, he'll build your website. And it's not too expensive. Yeah. Which yeah. again, is not a great strategy because then you get trapped in corporate for years and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, there, there's so much to unpack. There's so much interest, so much interesting stuff there. What, what it's one, and I forget who said it, but it was, it, it was somebody, it was following that said, what, what got you, I think they even wrote a book on it. What got you here won't get you there. Mm. So and that's what you were telling you. You had this whole business model that then, you know, like things do, the environment changes. No. And then that kind of, you know, you didn't learn, you didn't progress, you didn't, you weren't developing systems and processes during that time of selling systems or anything like that. So that, so the industry kind of shifted away from you. I think that's what people, a lot of people are experiencing right now with mm. WordPress getting so much easier and Elementor and Divi and everything like that, you know, and I think that's just, you know, a good thinking that you have to constantly be shifting what you're doing to add more value as things become more commonplace. Absolutely. Because there is a lot of fear right now with things like page builders. So I, my fear back then was we have front page, we have, I can't remember the names of those loads. You could even get them on a CD on magazines for free, these website builder platforms. There was software <laughs> you had to install on Windows. It's, it's hilarious, isn't it? And then eventually you'd hit publish and it would essentially be a big, massive JPEG all chopped up. But you know, people didn't know and, and I didn't know back then. I was just like, how can I compete? And then we, we have that same kind of cycle. We've had that same cycle now for a little while with page builders. However, most web development companies, instead of freaking out, have actually embraced that technology. So they approach it as, hey, we're consultants. We will build a 
platform for you. We'll build a website. We're going to do the design because that's our expertise and skill. We're going to create a great UX. We're going to lay it out for you. And we're going to use the tool of Elementor or Beaver Builder or whatever the platform is to make it look great. So you're still delivering the service. It doesn't matter what tools you you use to deliver the service. In the grand scheme of things, your client does not have the experience to use that tool. It's like giving somebody isn't it, a drill and a hammer and saying, hey, uh, here's, a, here's a plan. Why don't you build your own house? You, you can't do it unless right. you're a builder, unless you've been trained with the tools, unless you know how to read the architect's plan, unless you know where to put the nails in and what size screws to use and all of that sort of stuff. You need the 10, 15 years of experience. So for me, I didn't recognize that all those years ago in 2003. Hence, I kind of got a job and, and gave in on it. But over the last few years, as new technology comes out, my process has always been to say, how can we bring this in? How can we utilize this? Because at the end, the client, all the client cares about is that they are going to get what they want from their website or from whatever it is that you're building for them. And they don't actually care how you built it. It's the years and years of experience that we have that allow us to add that value into their, into their lives and into their business. Yeah, I think uh, user experience and conversion and everything like that. I think building a website has now become a little bit simple. So how do you stand out and charge bigger bucks? It's like, you know, you're not promising them a website. Now, you're not promising them a presence on the internet. You're promising them a presence that can convert. And I think that's a big key. But that was a fun tangent. I love tangents like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what were we meant to be talking about? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what I do. I always, I love seeing where these conversations go. I always yeah. say it's a conversation with a thought leader that, you know, we're just, we're just going to dive down any rabbit hole we find interesting. So, because I just think conversations are interesting. But let's jump back to then where, you know, because I think this is interesting. The, the dot-com bubble burst. And the um, hindsight version, the looking back on it, the long-term version of this story is there was a lot more opportunity for Lee back then. But think about that first month or two, you know, when the dot-com bubble burst and, you know, like they were saying, people were worried, is the internet even going to be around anymore? Is this a real thing? What, how'd you feel about that? So I was, I was started looking for a job. <laughs> I, I was listening to it all and I was thinking, oh my gosh, uh, you know, look, well, that didn't last very long. I better get a job. Maybe I could build computers. Maybe that's the way I'm going to go. I even t- tried that for a little while. I started trying to build computers for people. I can still build a computer. It's like something that I can do to this day and still do as a hobby sometimes. Absolute geek. Um, but you know, I was thinking maybe I could do that. But even that was really, really competitive world. And most IT companies were doing the pile them high, sell them cheap method where you get, make very, very small markup but you sell a lot. Therefore, it's, yeah. that was something else I couldn't compete in. But yeah, for the first month, um, I was really worried and I was finding every other channel, as I think most people would be, on, oh, well, what can I do instead then? Because I was listening to the news and I was believing that the internet was over only for a very short time. Then I was surprised because the thing I did during that t- time and the thing that I've done ever since there's been difficult times since is I started having conversations with my clients and with local businesses because I wanted to find out what they thought. So when I was speaking to the uh, my really? client, I, I had a lingerie client. How lucky is that 18-year-old lad getting to work? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, so they would give me the lingerie images uh, every week and I'd update the website, et cetera. But 
they started investing more money in their website, which was a surprise. And, you know, that, that surprised me. I thought I was about to potentially lose a client who would lost the perception of value of a website. But they carried on. And then as I went and started speaking to other local businesses, I just went in and started talking to them, especially these antique businesses. And that's where it all started going from there, because I realized that they'd heard of the Internet and they were actually excited about the internet and sure the big companies were screwing it up but that didn't mean they were going to screw it up this this whole new internet for them was uh, an opportunity for them and they recognized that they were missing out so for me those conversations were massively helpful in dictating what i did for that couple of years until i stagnated in 2003 but then the exact same happened in 2007 we had this massive great recession 2007 mm -hmm. 2008 our clients were dropping budgets uh, they were canceling projects etc and we had a broad range of clients in multiple sectors we were an all kind of an all in agency trying to please all people and we found that if we started having conversations with our clients we were then learning what their needs were. And we recognized at that point that the events clients that we had were really struggling with their suppliers on the web side of things because everyone was just so expensive. They could not build an event website for a couple of grand. Their only option was to spend six to 10,000 pounds back in the, you know, in 2007 time because there were no suppliers that supplied that. So during those conversations, we therefore saw an opportunity to serve that industry, the events industry, who we, are, who we were already serving in some capacity. We had a couple of decent clients in there and we decided to go all in and we built a platform based on WordPress that served that need during that time, allowing those event companies to get better costed out uh, event websites so that they had more budget for their marketing, et cetera. Uh, so that was based on a conversation. And then again, if we're looking at now, that's what people should be doing. I've been on the phone every single day to my, uh, my existing clients and to new potential yes. clients, ringing them up, not trying to sell them anything, but just asking what's going on. How are they doing? And lo and behold, a real estate company wants to invest thousands in a brand new website build. And you're thinking, real estate surely they're about to see a massive crash right now and yet they're looking at the bigger picture and they're saying right okay everything's bad right now we've got nothing to do all of our staff are furloughed let's use some of this spare capital to get our website where it needs to be for when everything happens um, so sorry i feel like i've gone off on another tangent but it's just no, a no, very important it. thing i learned from 2000 from the very first bubble burst like late 90s early 2000s You've got the 2007 and now that having those conversations are what helped me not give up <laughs> and work out where I needed to go and how I needed to pivot. What I've done, though, consistently every single year is continue to have those conversations, continue to call clients because we do need, regardless of whether the whole world's in a global pandemic crisis or whether everything's all tickety-boo, we do need to be having regular conversations to make sure that we are consistently adding value and consistently serving the people that we want to serve. Because my mistake was to get used to just doing the same old, same old in the early 2000s until eventually my market moved away from me and I had not kept my finger on the pulse. And then in 2007... I didn't have a market. I was just doing anything for anyone with my big agency with loads of employees thinking I was the bee's <laughs> knees. And then suddenly everyone stopped spending. So I then had to work out who my market was. 
I knew who my market was in 2000, but in 2007, I didn't actually know who I served. So I had to go through that process again, work out who I served, and then really work out how to serve them. And then since then, I launched Angle Crown about seven years ago, which is my business for agencies. So I decided to launch a business that helped design agencies get into the web business so they can transition from print to digital businesses. And that's what that's been doing for the last seven or eight years. And again, that has consistently had to evolve through conversations with agency owners. First of all, it started off as, I will do the code for your designs. Then it became, I will also provide you consultancy and quoting advice and help because they weren't sure how to quote. So that moved on a little bit further. Then I realized that a lot of agency owners didn't really understand marketing or didn't have systems and processes. So I then launched the podcast, Agency Trailblazer. You can see the logo behind me. So that that (laughs) podcast launched. So I've consistently had to evolve as the people I serve share with me what their needs are. And if I'm doing that all the time, then COVID-19 is just another day for me because it's just part of business. And I know that things will get better. And also Every major event like this has always been an an amazing opportunity for business as long as you don't keep watching the news and don't freak out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, exactly. I I just I love so much of what you just said there. And that's why I like to keep it uh, open and see where this goes, because that was gold right there. One, you know, Lee, very successful getting through um, recessions and everything that very successful in evolving his business. but still. Still, you know, in the beginning, when his first one, he still had that fear. And I know a lot of us are out there thinking that, you know, it's not for me. You know, I rode the wave and, mm. you know, I don't know, nothing's going to turn around. This is going to be, it's, it's going to be done forever. You know, the economy is not going to recover for years, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they're like, maybe I should get a job. And it's just the same kind of feelings that you had, you know, then you came up with a way to um, which I think is absolutely brilliant is what more, most people need to do. And it's, I don't think people are doing this enough. They're scared to talk to their clients because they don't mm. want to hear, no, we're going somewhere else. Well, that person, whether you talk to them or not, is going to leave if they need to leave. You yeah. calling them is not going to you know, make them leave, but yet you could find so much interesting, even if they do leave, but they give you an idea or a strategy for something much better. Because you know they're going to send you an email if they're going to leave. You're not going to. They're not going to talk to you because no. You know, so if you could talk to them and find out more, so I love the fact that you're constantly evolving your business. Because I think that's the other thing people get involved in a business, and they get used to doing one thing one way, and they just want to stick with that because they're comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's nothing about life that's going to stay the same. I mean, I mean, we we're looking at thirty to forty years that we have to work. You know. And there's nothing that's going to stay the same in 30 to 40 years. So if you're an elevator operator back in the 50s, you know, you sure as hell better evolve. (laughs) Oh, yeah, um, exactly that. (laughs) Yeah, things are not going to remain the same forever. So, you know, me making WordPress themes as a business. So 2013, I think it was, I launched Angle Crown. And the business then was making WordPress themes. We predominantly now make our money from content and consultancy. We still do make WordPress themes. We actually make them using things like Elementor or Beaver Builder, funnily enough, which are the page builders that people were worried were going to put us all out of business. Um, And so that still happens as a process, as a business that can run itself or as a service, sorry, that can run itself with my team. But I'm still there then creating content, creating 
live events uh, and doing consultancy for other agencies to help them build. And I'm constantly having to shift uh, and refocus my, my own message uh, to really to answer the needs and the concerns of the industry in general. I launched a podcast episode. We were talking about it the other day, mate, weren't we, about the future mm -hmm. of the web industry. And really, it was a kind of a call to arms to say, guys, we're in the best industry ever. The whole world now realizes that the internet is the single source of connectivity, of connection, of, of e-commerce, of resource, or whatever you want to call it for everybody. The internet has been the way that we can all stay connected during this really stressful time. And businesses who were not connected know for a fact that, you know, come lockdown end, we all need to get our asses online. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be able to uh, have, uh, you know, we need to be able to survive another lockdown in the future where we can shift product online, where our supply chain will not fall apart, etc. Therefore, the agency owner space, agency owners, guys, ladies, we're all in the perfect space right now to go and have these conversations with local businesses and be there when they are ready to get them online and to ensure that they have got businesses that can weather storms like this. So actually, as scary as it is right now, where we may feel like we've got no business and people are holding back, that might be because we're just not having any of those conversations for a start off, just picking up the phone and saying, hey, I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm just saying, how are you doing? Are you keeping safe? Are you home? Are you all right? But those sorts of conversations, I promise you, will lead to some very exciting opportunities in the near future. Yeah. Because it's happening to people I'm talking into our, in our community who listened to that episode, who've emailed in and said, I've picked up the phone. We've, we're selling already. People want to invest. It's like, holy moly. Yeah, I think there's two camps right now. There's there's people that are like so busy right now, and mm -hmm. there's people that are struggling right now. And I I, I think the people that are, are busy, one they might have um you know a really well developed niche, but or niche <laughs> niche. <laughs> want to say we would say niche niche. Okay, <laughs> so yes, I, I don't know. I just I, I have so many international friends that I, I I don't even know how to spell words anymore. <laughs> Me neither. So <laughs> my accent's all over the place. I used to say progress, but now I say progress. <laughs> <laughs> to pick up your thought, though, the people who have got that really well-developed niche are doing pretty well anyway, uh, because, uh, you know, businesses are recognizing they need to invest and they want to invest with the people who are the leaders in that particular niche. Um, equally, you've got the people like, like me back in the day where I served all people and had no particular identity. I didn't have a personal brand. I didn't have a business brand. And I wasn't known for any one thing that I did really well. And they're the sorts of businesses who will probably be struggling the most. And that's what I've experienced who are struggling the most. Now the people who don't have that sort of identity and they have not put their stake in the ground and say, Hey, we do these one or two things really well for these one or two different types of people. The minute that you start to do that, you see those are the businesses that do really well. And even in the, let's look at the restaurant business. Say you are specializing in building restaurant websites I imagine right now you might be thinking, all right, well, every single website, uh, every single restaurant has had to close their doors. There's going to be no business for me. This is really terrible. I'm really scared. If you don't pick up the telephone, then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't call the shop owners that you know, if you don't call the mm -hmm. restaurant website, the, the restaurant clients you already have and ask how they're doing, et cetera, and don't have these conversations, uh, don't offer them help, then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will lose out on business. But you could be calling your local Italian right now that you built a website for for 
two years ago and have a conversation and say, hey, guys, how are you doing? Have you got any sort of delivery service? How's the supply chain looking? Do you think you could put a, a form on your website? I could help you. It'd be free. It's put a form on your website for people to place some orders and you can start doing deliveries. Like, let's just get you going again. Let's do something now to help you during this time. Uh, and we're here for you, uh, you know, when you need us in the future, et cetera. So picking up the phone, having those conversations, no matter what industry and even the travel industry right now, yes, everything's on hold, but people are thinking about the future. And if you're talking to them during the bad times, they're sure as hell going to remember you in the good times when, when they're looking for that person mm-hmm. to come and help them with the new build or whatever project they have. It's the person who called who cared that is the most likely to get involved in the future. Yeah. Pick up the yeah, phone, I'll, folks. This is I'll, old school, isn't it? Proper old school. <laughs> Pick up the telephone. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that connection, when it, no matter what time, I think email and text, and we've gotten into such impersonal kind of way to like interact with each other. And I think people want connection, you know, no matter, no matter what they say, they want connection. Mm. So I think text makes things easier. I think email makes things easier in a way, but I think also like they want that. And I think people, what I think that's what people are realizing more and more. It's like the funniest meme I saw was about this was the meme that said, I don't want to ever hear again that for a million dollars, you could go live in a cabin in the woods all by yourself. You couldn't even last five days in your own house. <laughs> exactly. So, because people want a connection. Even the, even my introverted friends are calling me like, hey, I mean, this was fun for about two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. I mean, on that, I mean, I am one of those people who I have high anxiety. I don't do well in public, to be honest. People don't realize that. I seem like this yeah, really exactly. confident guy who has a mm-hmm. personal brand and everything, and I speak on stage. But all of that really drains me. I find it really stressful. I've got I've got tons and tons of different mechanisms to cope with that. Uh, like I'll often be in a very busy event and lots of people will be talking to me and then people must think I have a really weak bladder because I claim <laughs> I have to go to the restroom. But what it is, is that I'm going for a break and I'm going to stand in the cubicle just for a minute to recharge and then I can take myself back out into the room. So I thought that this isolation would be incredible and it was for three weeks and I'm still actually secretly enjoying just being at home and with the family don't get me wrong but oh, yeah, I yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. do miss the connections with people and I thought I would have less meetings but no I have way more meetings on my calendar now because I'm saying yes to more people because I just want to flip in chinwag with someone come on <laughs> let's have a conversation I've even got a virtual pub going on now I meet every Sunday with my mates uh, on a virtual pub and we all have some drinks and we chat and we play games hilarious nice 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 <laughs> yeah i had a you know my birthday was march 26th and i was my friend from australia that i never really get to see she was flying in we were going to this conference but we were flying in a couple of days early and we were gonna hang out and go to napa valley and whatnot because i had a guy um that i was working with uh that he wanted to take me to a winery and everything so, so it was really cool and i was really excited about this but then all that got canceled and, good, uh, but I had the greatest, and I thought, oh, this birthday is going to be like nothing. But I had the greatest birthday, and we and my friends threw me a virtual surprise birthday party. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and it was like, it was like, it was really, really cool. So, um, and my friend, um, they sent me wine from like a vineyard we were going to go see, going to yeah. go try. So it was like, we kind of did the same thing. So I just think there's like, you know, it's one of the, you know, I'm not one of those people that really do like really big things all the time. It's a birthday. So it's like, mm-hmm. my birthdays are like, they come and go, but this is the one I will always remember yeah. because of that. You know, it's the one that stands out. So I think, I think there's some really cool things 
that come about from that. So you mentioned that you do live events now. How'd you get, tell us about that and how'd you get started in that? That's kind of cool. Sure. So I've always wanted to do live events, if I'm honest. Um, I'm a, a churchgoer. I've been a part of our worship team for like six years and do enjoy planning things and enjoy getting lots of people together. If I've been a part of the organization of it, I can cope. If I go to other people's where I'm not in control, I can't cope, which is really weird. So I am like <laughs> the event organizer who's happy to be at his own events, but I'm the guy who struggles to go to other people's events, which is kind of weird. And I've never quite worked that out. So if you are like a psychologist and listening to this episode, <laughs> I would really, really love some insight. I presume I'm a control freak. Maybe that's what it is. A few years ago, I recognized that I, even though I find going to events ridiculously draining, when I go to an event, I always come away with new clients and new best friends. And I'm not even trying. Do you know what I mean? It's I just go there, I meet people, and just the natural vibe and energy of the room and the natural conversations in the hallway and queuing for coffee and all that sort of stuff will lead to amazing connections. And some of my best friends are people I've met at an event who we've then kind of blossomed our relationship online together. And then it's led to business either with them or with people that they've recommended. And I recognized that in here in the UK, we didn't have that sort of event for right. agency owners. You have plenty of stuff for freelancers. Uh, you've got an amazing WordCamp and lots of WordPress meetups, et cetera, which will be a mixture of freelancers and, and agency owners. But no particular drive to helping um, agencies create some real change in their life. And I kind of believe that there are several pillars. Well, I mean, everyone's got a pillar system or a structure, but there are several pillars to an agency. And I, I believe that it starts with understanding your identity as an agency, uh, recognizing the value that you have to offer and the value uh, that you have to offer to your clients, et cetera. And understanding things like your messaging, your platform, where you're going to show up, et cetera. And these are all very fundamental, basic business blocks that all businesses, I believe, need. And we're all on different stages of that journey. We might already understand our identity and our platform and our marketing messages, but maybe we're struggling now with scaling or the quality of our output. So there's all of these different areas that we might all be struggling with. And I wanted to create an event that would be a place for agency owners to go. We do a workshop right at the very beginning for half an hour just to work out where we all feel we're at entity or am I stuck at scaling? Where am I? Mm -hmm. And then give them as much content to cover all of those different elements that they could learn from. And I'd go, right, I'm going to focus on all of the talks that are about identity. I'll listen to everything because, hey, we're going to have fun. We're all here together. But yeah. I'm going to pay special attention to these ones that are marked as... I need to listen to these ones because these are based on identity. And I'm going to come up with a plan uh, before the end of this conference, which is going to help me get that next 20% change that I need in my business. So that's what I wanted to create. And that's what we did last year. And it was wonderful. We had an amazing time. Troy Dean came from uh, Australia, which was uh, awesome. And uh, we had some great speakers. Chris Ducker came over as well. Uh, he was on stage. And we just packed out the room. It was at my church, actually. Why not? It's a big space with great lighting and a great sound system. So we packed out my church uh, here in Wellingborough and um, we just had a great time for two days. So we decided to do it again this year. Unfortunately, though, COVID happened and 
that meant legally I would be breaking the law if I tried to run an event right now. We're in lockdown. So we've gone virtual. So we're doing the exact event online, same schedule, same timings, et cetera. Everyone will dial in virtually and we'll, we're going to have a great time together. And then next year, we're going to create a, uh, a party, as it were. Um, in We've got the location sorted out for next year, which is a theme park just down the road from me. And uh, we're going to do a physical event next year to kind of let our hair down and, and have fun and celebrate the fact that we can all physically meet up. But yeah, that your original question, why did I get into the event? It was to really help facilitate the industry that I serve. I can show up on a podcast one to many and that's wonderful. But if I could create a physical event to create the friendships and the connections that I enjoy in other industries when I go to events, I thought that was really powerful and really important. So that's why I wanted to create a brand all around that. Two things on that. One, I love what you've done in the beginning because it's, I call it the, just the bump. You know, you go to you go to a conference, you go to an event, you read a book or something like that, and then it's just you, you leave. You're like, oh, I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited about this. And then after about a month or two, you know, it's just like you've changed nothing, mm-hmm. and it's just because it's like almost overwhelm. Mm-hmm. That yeah, there's and, just too much. That's happened to me too many times. Yeah, you seem to have come up with a process that you know that okay. Here's what you need to fo- all this stuff is going to be great, but here's mm-hmm. what we've determined that you really need to focus on. So mm-hmm. go home when you go home. This is what you need to implement yeah. this stuff just to this. Put all that other great stuff to the side and work just <laughs> yeah. on this, right? I pretty much said it the whole so the whole and I'll be saying it again this year, you know, wasn't that an amazing talk on scaling your business? But if that is not your thing, please, please remember, you know, look at your notes. Where are you? You on identity, focus on identity, keep notes, maybe make plans for the future on all these other things that you're hearing, but just have them to the side. Because right now, if you've established that you don't know your identity or you have got no idea where you should be showing up, uh, whatever that stage is at, focus on that and make a plan for the next 90 days of how am I going to nail that before I even start on the cool ideas that I heard from the other speaker. So I I was tempted to like make it where there'd be multiple tracks and people would go off, but I liked the idea of everyone hearing everything together and interacting with everything, but being reminded throughout to focus specifically on that, that they needed to change in their business but hearing all the other content still gives you plenty of ideas for what you're working on and plenty of inspiration for the future as well. So I figured it would work and it really did work. How it's going to translate online will be different because I'm trying to work out how to create that kind of serendipity. How do we create those uh, magical moments, those people bumping into each other, et cetera, and getting to know each other and generating leads. So I've done a whole load of ideas on that, creating virtual tables and rooms and all sorts of stuff to try and create that serendipity. So that should be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to go back to that, but first let's let's talk about the definition of the word serendipity. (laughs) I only learned it recently. I know you posted that on Facebook. <laughs> I was like, crack me up. <laughs> what? What the heck? I thought it meant peaceful. I was like, mm. yeah. And then you were like, and I bet none of you are, and I bet most of you don't even know what this word means either. Yeah, and it was. Like, and yeah, everyone was saying, yeah, we know what it means. Apparently, it's something to do with those chance, happy, nice chance meetings, which work out great. And that's what I've described when you're at an event. 
that's yeah. what serendipity is apparently i had no clue until my business partner was like that's a great episode you recorded because like, we've got another podcast for the event, event martech podcast and i didn't know what to call it i was like how about how to create magic at your event but that sounds really vague and, and he's like oh no you just need to say facilitating serendipity i was like what does that mean <laughs> serendipity it's like trust me everyone knows what it means so i did a poll in our facebook group and most people knew what it meant apart from me so i was, I was really quite annoyed but you know i'm using it now it's, it's part of my vocab mate i have adopted it i've embraced it and uh, i feel as cheesy saying serendipity as i do saying synergy <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those words or paradigm shift <laughs> yeah, oh yeah those words <laughs> yeah you kind of it creep out a little bit, but it does what it says on the tin. So, so I just want to talk about like you, 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 you've talked about this event going virtual, and there's something that you did, and I think so. I had so with my birthday and with all this traveling, I did. I had some things booked with Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Okay, when this came out with COVID, and they started canceling. You couldn't travel anymore. Like Airbnb said, we're refunding your money, no matter what. You know, yeah. here's your money back. You know, if the vendor is going to give us a problem, you know, tough, yeah. you know, we'll deal with them. You don't have to deal with them directly. We're going to read because normally their policy is no cancellations or whatever cancellation mm-hmm. better. So VRBO was another big uh, site to rent stuff like Airbnb. They pretty much said, I don't know, they might have changed this at this point. But at that time, they pretty much said, you're screwed. You know, we're not doing anything. Nice. You're stuck. And I think so when. I'm going to like, and I made my decision right then and there, I will never deal with VRBO and mm-hmm. I will always deal with Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I think you made a similar kind of decision when it came, when you had to cancel your live event. And I know you're going to take a financial hit to it, but I just think it, it's such a class act. And it's one of those things you're saying, why do people, why do you come away with these friends? Because you're a genuine guy that cares to look out for people. and. He'll pay me my $20 after this is over. <laughs> but no, Lee, to tell everybody what you did, because I just think this is amazing. Oh, okay. Uh, so we're doing the virtual event this year. And we're doing the exact same program. We're adding extra value where we can because we're adding extra content, et cetera, and opening up some of my archived content, which is awesome. Uh, I've been doing content for like years. So we've got some extra value uh, d- templates, downloads, et cetera, processes. But also I figured that it wasn't, going to be too much of a hit to then give everybody who had bought tickets to the physical event of 2020 they're all getting a free ticket for 2021 so everyone gets to come for fair do they get drinks they get uh, fun and swag bags and everything uh, and it's all it's all on on us next year for the for the event next year so it's almost like it's almost like postponing the event and putting on another one if that makes sense because a lot oh, yeah. of companies have just postponed their event but that I felt like the content of agency transformation needed to be delivered now in May because people need to hear it because people have time to transform their businesses right now and people need to hear messages of hope. So it was important that we still did the event, but then we can also do it again in 2021, which hopefully by then all of this nightmare (laughs) will be over. (laughs) I say nightmare because I just get sick of hearing it on the news. If you take anything away from this episode, stop watching the news. (laughs) Exactly. Just that's all I'm going to say. Limit the time you spend on Facebook. Yeah, minimize in, in, Facebook. Uh, don't go down the comment rabbit hole when you see someone post something racist. Just don't go there. <laughs> I've exactly. had 
to force myself to stop the last few months because it drains you. Oh, oh my gosh. Mm. Well, I think people, like you said, are just postponing their events or they're trying to make a live event virtual at the same, mm-hmm. you know, and then not. And but it's just people, you know, one of the reasons people like events is like networking and stuff like mm. that. Like you said, like the, the physical aspect is so important. And you've done like, uh, because yeah, and I think what you've done is just such a class act. I, 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 think, I think it really is. It just is. It's a really it's it's a really good move. I'll be well, honest, mate. I have worried about it i've cried a lot about it like proper crying you know because i am absolutely mortified that we all can't hang out this year but i'm just so glad that something can happen virtually and physically next year but yeah so yeah so um i really appreciate your time how would people get a hold of you like are you lee jackson on several channels what's your tell us a little bit more about i I think the best website to go to now i've got to remember to start saying this i've (laughs) built a very simple landing page leematthewjackson.com Nice and easy because that will then link you to all of the different brands that I have. So if you're in the events industry, there's some links. If you're in the agency space, there's some links. Go have fun. And if you're looking for a super positive Facebook group that you want to spend a lot more time in, Lee has an amazing Facebook group. I'm going to oh, say that. Okay. <laughs> agency Trailblazer Facebook group. You can go agencytrailblazer.com forward slash group. And you can also listen to the Agency Trailblazer podcast that I'm now pointing at. <laughs> behind me yes 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 <laughs> and we, lee and i we have a super special course coming out so this is how we connect it it is help people understand what's going on in the economy and give them for some perspective and that's going to be i'm not exactly sure when apple is going to approve all my podcasts so this it will probably have been out so um hopefully by then yes <laughs> you think yes. so <laughs> ch- check it out all right well lee thanks again i appreciate thanks, it thanks mate awesome That was the Profit and Impact Podcast with Nev Harris. For a full recap of this show, or for more info on making more profit and impact with your agency or freelance business, visit nevharris.com. If you liked this episode, show us some love. Give us a rating and comment over on iTunes and help Nev get the message out to more agency owners and freelancers. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.